Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. This next guest is definitely going to be sponsored by a very well-known Manchester drink called Vinto, and that will all become very evident when you listen now. Um, this is Kat Reed, who is the founder of Truly Reliable, and she is somebody that I've known um, on and offline for a very long time. And I think you're going to get so much benefit from what we talk about today. So Kat was a former recruiter who actually then fell into the HR sector. Um, and she talks to us about her journey um, and the real sort of real reality of what, whether you're listening to this as a recruiter or as a business owner, why we do HR quite badly as an industry and what we can do differently. We talk around ethics, what does that really truly mean? Um, how does that actually drive your business processes? But more importantly, how could that actually actually ensure that you're attracting and retaining the right people as you look to grow? Or as a recruiter yourself, how do you know whether a future employer is actually ethical or not? We talk about the most important things you can do to ensure that diversity and inclusion and you know inc- proper belonging actually matters and is meaningful in your business. And then we talk about the sort of the key tips about embracing your fuck ups in life. That could possibly be the title of this. There's quite a bit of swearing, I'll be honest with you. So if you are a prude, I'm not really sure why, you, why you're tuning in. Um, but we're all adults here, aren't we? So it's just in case you have this on with little children listening. So you just might want to bear that in mind that there is, there is a little bit of swearing involved today. But it's all contextual. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn, and sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content, and the scheduling capability to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember 
to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I have to say I'm, I'm containing a real squeal of excitement as I finally introduce to you our global community, somebody who I think I've been poking to come on <laughs> since we started this podcast way back in 2020, but finally our diaries aligned and the stars aligned and the universe has allowed this to happen and you are going to, if you don't already know this person, I don't know where you're hiding because she's been extremely viral on LinkedIn, that sounds wrong. But it does, you know what I mean? But let me introduce you today, Kat Reed, who is the founder of Truly Reliable HR, ethical recruitment hacker, HR specialist, and fellow Vimto lover. And I'm meant to be showing you my Vimto here. For anyone that's not from the northwest of England, you need to Google Vimto, V-I-M-T-O, although we all pronounce it Vimto. Sure. Vimto. Welcome to you today, Kat. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Leisha. Thank you so much for having me. I am genuinely like stoked that this is happening. I'm so excited, and yeah, I'm really, really thrilled to be here. So I'm- we're both we're both actually because we're both such high energy people. I think we're actually going to have to try and calm ourselves the fuck down, cats. Yeah, I think that might. But like, let's see how this goes. This I, I can see a lot of laughing going to yeah, happen. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. For those who are not yet familiar, because we do have a global audience, you might not all live on LinkedIn all the time. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then how your journey has led you to become this HR specialist. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm Kat and I own an HR consultancy for small businesses here in the UK. I work with businesses who don't need a full-time HR person, but who need someone who's actually going to give them hands-on support and going to help them do things rather than just sit and prattle off the ACAS code of best practice, which is a very, very useful thing to, to mm-hmm. be aware of, but it's not actually demonstrably helpful when you're doing things um, and when you're in certain situations and you're navigating through the complexities of employment law. Um, I started my career, like most people um, who end up in the people space, I started my career in recruitment um, when I left university, went and worked in oil and gas recruitment, um, moved down to England in 2015 um continued on in recruitment for a while and then kind of fell into HR so after deliberately choosing recruitment I fell into HR which is I love that it's the awesome about way (laughs) yeah exactly it's like it's like everyone's like oh I fell into recruitment I fell into HR me um and I realized that people didn't understand what HR was actually about um because it's not about being like an absolute fun sponge or a killjoy (laughs) it's about being absolutely fair and fairness is something that really, really matters to me. And it kind of translates into everything that I do, including, like you said, my ethical recruitment hacking, which is where I go under the under the hood of what a company is doing and go, hey, you know what? Here's why these things are fucking broken. Because they're broken. A lot. They're broken. You know, I'm going to show my age here because I actually did um my qualification I didn't actually do a degree I did an HND which was like a professional qualification it was called hey, per, hey, per, like, as someone who worked with the tradies HNDs they're just well they're very vocational actually and it was called yeah. personnel management and I actually so which became HR became known as human resources of course and it was it, it's all around that word the centered word which is human yeah human journey and I think that's why it's for me apart from the fact that I just adore you and I love everything that you talk about because your LinkedIn let's talk about your LinkedIn because you, you, your voice is so you, only because I know you. But yeah. for those who maybe just have been following you because you're you know, clearly very prolific on there and you, you use the algorithm very well, let's be honest, like I do, 
what what do you think is broken between the link given that recruitment is about the humans and the people mm. and the hr is about the humans and the people why do and how do you badly do recruiters get hr like why did the, there seems to be this disconnect um if i'm being polite about it it's because recruiters are there to do the operational function of getting people jobs right okay. and they get funnel visioned into that the other side of that is that sometimes they're just a little bit fucking lazy mm. um, and they don't actually want to always do the right thing because actually figuring out the right thing for your business to operate within the constraints of the law whilst also balancing what you want your HR management strategy to look like is something that's quite difficult. So unless you've got somebody who you're paying to do it and you really want to invest in it because you really mm. give a shit about it mm. or you've got someone like me who drops in and supports you and gives you the support that you need on an ad hoc basis, you're not going to actually invest the time in doing it. There's also an element of kind of being a bit chancery. I, like we've all heard the horror stories out there. There are some people out there who just don't give a shit. Yeah. And rely on people not knowing the law mm. um, and not knowing what their rights are in certain situations to get away with some really, really piss poor behaviour that is unfair and unethical mm. and sometimes that can lead that can happen because there's somebody who sits at the top of a recruitment firm who just has a little Jordan Belfort fantasy going on in his head I'm saying his sometimes it's hers yes. yeah true yeah but they've got that little Wolf of Wall Street thing going on where it's like oh I, I can do this and that and the other I'm a baller because I've got this and I've made this business out of nothing it's like no you've made your business off the backs and the effort of your people mm. and you've got this disconnect now in terms of doing the right thing and that's not just from a sense of, you know, making sure that when you have to fire somebody, you do it correctly, which is like, I'm not going to lie, the bar is so low, we can fucking trip over it. And yet somehow, somehow it still goes wrong. It all comes down to things like understanding compensation benefits, do understanding what a competitive offer looks like. What does good training and development look like for your recruiters? What are the right career paths you can offer? understanding what that is and then being able to communicate that to potential people who want to come and work with you mm. particularly now in the recruitment market where you know I think I saw Matthew Baxter um a couple of days ago posting something on LinkedIn that like, made me almost snort tea through my nose um where it was talking about the difference in hiring criteria for recruiters now in 2023 you've got these people who are now going to ask you to have like regular billing all this desk stuff that you can just pour over with somehow ignoring restrictive covenants <laughs> Um, but you've got this change in demand now, and it keeps it's cyclical, isn't it? It goes it from is. market to an employee's market. It does. Like an employer's market. And pe people have still forgotten that even in an employer's market, you kind of have to attract people. It's, it's meant to be a dialogue, isn't it? They've got so many points I want to pick up on that. And I think just to set the scene, I think observationally, I mean, I've been in the recruitment industry now for a quarter of a century, which is absolutely ludicrous. It's just insane that I've been at that. And that I did fall into it, by the way. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of people, and if this you are one of them, uh, this is not a shame, shaming uh, comment I'm about to make. You are an accidental recruitment leader. You are very good at your job. You are very knowledgeable in your industry. You have built, whether it's a boutique or a you know sizable independent business, and by yeah. accident, you have grown your business, but you are not an HR specialist you possibly have brought people along the journey that actually also don't really care about the sort of pastoral side of the human journey of what it means to be an employer and, and the legal aspect of it. And I think that's where there is a real disconnect as employers ourselves, 
but also not forgetting that we're the conduit to the industry and the people that were then partnering as clients so I think it's it's so multi-cyclical isn't it it really is it's understanding that and like you say you're going to always have two kinds of people those that really don't give a shit and actually if they get a churn and if people don't like it and you know what's your you know what's your maternity policy what's your flexible working policy well we don't have one so fuck off we don't care then actually this podcast isn't for you and you're probably not even listening so I can say what I like about you yeah exactly or or you get the people on the other side who if I'm gonna again playing devil's advocate because you do have to sometimes there's people who have all the right intentions without the right tools and yes. knowledge and who aren't certain of how to get the right tools and knowledge so they do a quick google search they find something like elas or something like that who are going to be like they're on the phone advisors who will literally yeah. just send you the shit that you download off the acas website and you pay them a monthly subscription fee for it why the hell are you doing that you then have to do everything yourself and all the emotional crap mm. that goes alongside it like i mean you've managed people for years you and i both know mm. it's emotionally draining when you're managing yeah, and of course it is it is no I to- I, to- I totally agree with you and I think you know this will this episode is going to resonate with so many people on so many different sides of the desk and I'm not mm-hmm. asking you to impart all of your expertise into you know what is a, effectively a short episode but we are yeah. setting the scene here as to yeah. and, I, and I do want to kind of go back to something that you alluded to in, not not least because it's in your in your title on LinkedIn when you you talk about ethical recruitment hacking yeah what do you mean because I know what I mean by ethical yeah what do you mean by ethical so what I mean is that I'm not going to say anything that's untrue when I'm when I'm going into something um and I am going to go in with the same approach that I do to everything and be absolutely fair I'm also not going to sit there and shit talk a recruiter because having been in recruitment on every side of the desk you can imagine Mm. um within the dynamic which I'm really lucky that my career has given me that level of perspective yeah but I know where the recruiter sits in all of these places and somehow they have limited like responsibility and autonomy and power but all of this accountability for when shit goes wrong Mm. and actually 99% of the time you need to lift under the hood and go this is systemic of a company who does not actively want to invest in this because they've got something that works well enough Mm. well enough and mediocre is fine and I'm personally of the opinion in, in my personal life and my professional life that why be mediocre when you can actually be decent and really good mm, totally agree. so you're talking about processes is that what you mean um so to a degree it's process it's, it's the whole thing okay uh, when I go in and I do an audit and I've recently done an audit for a large insurance company um that they actually paid me to do which is very exciting because they wanted to really invest and get under the covers and under the scenes um we looked at everything from how does the application process work is it easy what are the things that are putting putting them off and I gave them some feedback on some of their diversity monitoring questionings I'm like hey do you know how this is positioned this is a bit shitty and why are you doing this how are you using this information like where does this go what is your reporting looking like why are you not disclosing that where does this is part of the journey that sort of stuff right through to what was the recruiter talking to me like how useful were they in the process were they pleasant, responsive? Did I get everything that I needed? Like what what was striking the right tones and what wasn't striking the right tones? How was the advert written? Because mm. you see it in different companies. Um, you and you get kind of three scenarios. You get some you get a company who just puts up their job description and goes, here's my shopping list, off we go. And you're like, that's not a fucking advert. Um, and like much shout out to Mitch Sullivan. I was just about to say Mitch's name. You took the words out of my mouth. I'll yeah, to- yeah. Yeah, like Mitch has got his finger right on the pulse there about the fact that he always has. 
He always yeah. has. He came on our show yeah. about it was probably gosh probably about two years ago. He came in. I remember two, that. I and it, it was one of our down, most downloaded episodes. He's he just the thing is about Mitch. I know there's a controversial side of Mitch, but actually what he says is actually right about how we communicate. But I, I, love, I love this all the controversial side of things around Mitch. The controversy is only there because it's like. It might be a little bit on the bone, but sometimes humour, especially dark humour, makes a point very, very effectively. And if something oh, a little bit uncomfortable, it's because it's close to the truth. Yeah, of course I love that sort of sense of humour, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, to, sorry uh, to interrupt your flow. That, that's absolutely fine. So you've got those people who just post the job description, or you've got the people who've let a marketing team look at it, Yeah. SEO optimised it, aka slammed a load of keywords into it and made it something that a human can't read, but it'll come up on a Google search. Or you've got someone who actually understands how to advertise the job and how to position that. Mm. Option number three is fucking rare. Yeah. And it's and, it, and sure. advertising statistics can show that. And everyone's like, oh, recruitment advertising's dead. I'm like, but you write a really good advert and it's not just an advert that you put somewhere where you might actually get a response. If you, you, if you know how to advertise, mm. you might get, it also then gives you headhunting collateral. Your stuff. If you've got a team of recruiters who are making outreach approaches, and don't get me started on like poor outreach approaches, like the in-mail can't... spam. Not even the in-mail spam. It's the in-mail spam where it's actually all about the recruiter and not about the candidate. Oh. It's like kids. Do you know if you just said, "Hey, I've got this opportunity. I think from looking at your profile that you might be a match for it. I've attached some details. Can we have a call so I can answer your questions?" thanks that's enough that's just copy and paste what cat just said yeah like or, or like you know dm me and i'll yeah up. you don't yeah. even have to like sit and listen and try and interpret the scottish accent or anything like that but honestly the more simple it is the better and giving them a wee pdf attachment is something sexy that then sells that like what a fucking difference or before they go for an interview as a part of the prep it's or it's a collateral there and we all we want anyone that's listening. You're aiming to be number three, right? You definitely don't want to be number two, where either a marketer or a chatbot is doing it for you. Take right. the human factor, and then number one, you know, seriously, we've all had clients that have just said, "I want X, Y, and Z," and it's like that's not consulting. I mean, that that's a whole different thing in its own entity as well, right? And then the other thing that I do with an ethical recruitment hacking is, unless I'm invited to by a recruitment agency and they want me to audit it to give them suggestions for where their L&D for their consultants needs to go. Mm. Um, I will not touch a recruitment agency. And that's because you guys are a third party mm. who have got a step further removed. So unless you are fortunate enough to be really partnered with your organization, whereby you've got someone who sits on the other side of the desk who's minded like I am, who sits and goes, right, when you're working with me as a supplier, here's how this is going to work. You, you, I will give you this feedback within this yeah. amount of days. I will chase that for you. I'll be proactive with you. I will hold my hands up if I fuck up on that one. And I, you will get the feedback warts and all. Like, I think, I mean, look, going to going in very deep into sort of the, the ethical aspects of what you've said on a real sort of fundamental basis, it's <laughs> doing what you say you're going to do. Right. And that's what integrity means, right? And I think that any business that isn't considering how diversity and inclusion, you know, you can basically now see companies that are just buying the badges. They're buying the mental health badges. They're buying the disability friendly badges. They're buying the neurodiverse badges. The, you know, the rainbow washing for LGBTQ. Yep. Plus. It's you can. Oh, I know. I just. I, 
I just think it can be, you know, there are so many companies where I get shocked when I get a call from a recruiter, because obviously that is my day job. I'm the other side to you. They yeah. haven't had a good HR policy. They haven't had, it's not intrinsic, but you, and I'm like, from the outside looking in, you're as a company, you're doing this. And they say, it's all nonsense. And the yeah, company it's leaders, it's, it's all bullshit. Expensive marketing, really expensive marketing, a couple of tailored photos. I always say this, and here's a bit of a pro tip for any of your, your candidates who might be listening here going into things. Um, if you're not being represented by Leisha and you're looking at other options, because Leisha doesn't work with arseholes, that's rule number one. No but if you're looking at other places, which is your, your right to do that, um, and you're right to keep your options open and find the right place for you, Go and check on their website mm. and um, see how see what that actually looks like. Because I remember a consultancy um, who spoke to me about the work that I was doing at SRG and what I'd done with SRG and how the hires had done. And I did a lot within that business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the, the time I was there, it was over a quarter of a million pounds saved in hiring for them just by kind of changing their approach. And they're like, how did you do it? And I went, well, the first thing that I did when I looked at their website is I was like, why is it all white men here? Like, we're, we're like, this is not, what we do. this is not what we do. This is not who we are. Like, SRG was a predominantly female business and it was scientists who recruited other scientists and that was their USP. Why are we not leading with this? How are we representing that? How are we then showing people that we've got people who'd been in the business for like 10 plus years who'd had great career journeys? When was the last time we overhauled all of this? And the answer is they hadn't. So we started doing that. Then it changed the narrative on the approach and stuff like that. Mm. Um, But I spoke to a consultancy um, who have done a lot of work to kind of improve themselves. And I'm not going to name them. Um, And they were like, what's going on here? And I'm like, well, on the market, we hear about your employee awards and we hear about the fact that you do an office reader of the year. I wouldn't feel safe of of being a woman working in your environment. I also don't see myself represented. Mm. in your photographs I see the people that you work with and like all I see are young beautiful people who like a drink Mm. that's is that all you got because that's all you'll attract no exactly you're just gonna it's the law it is the law of attraction and I think that on a really fundamental basis what you're saying there is do your due diligence Mm -hmm. I would have a look at the employees on LinkedIn what are their yeah. first backgrounds? Where have they come from? Because if it's everybody's come from the red brick and they're all of a certain age and they all look a certain way and they're all stood there in the certain photos, that is not a diversity. And then they've got the badge. So it's, I think it's it's unpicking it. And I always I always recommend any candidate, whether it is through me or not, do you you, you know you've got the collateral to be able to do that level of due diligence yourself? Now right. I'm not saying Glassdoor because I'm still very cynical about, about Glassdoor because I think it's very trip advisory and like yeah, Glass Glassdoor should always be taken with a pinch of salt, salt. like a big big pinch of salt, massive pinch of salt. Yeah, I always say if you're looking at Glassdoor, look at how a company responds to Glassdoor. Yeah, not... exactly. I was that's what I always love about restaurant reviews, like how the chef yeah. replies. It's like funny, but anyway, that we're, we're we're digressing far too far. This is great because I think what I want this episode to be is to empower people who maybe haven't got the budget to bring somebody like yourself in, or maybe they're working in a business where they're like, actually, I want to run my own desk as if it's my own business. So what advice would you give? What are the three most important things we can each do as individuals to make ourselves more ethical in how we're thinking about an eight from an HR mindset? Okay. Um, so in terms of if you're setting up your own business and you want to run HR and run it right. Um, the first thing that you've got to do is check your fucking ego at the door and embrace the fact that you are going to fuck up. Okay, like it. 
once you've once you've embraced that and once you're okay with that and you can sit in that and go I'm gonna fuck this up at some point and I'm gonna end up putting myself in bother and I'm not gonna be so arrogant as to claim that I'm not gonna do it then you're gonna you're, you're gonna find that you're much more open to feedback and to things where if things aren't going if you're not doing things right you can course correct quite mm. quickly and um, the second thing that I would say is if you're genuinely serious about not getting somebody in to support you and there are people out there who aren't just me there's a lot of really good mm-hmm. HR out there and we don't actually charge a ridiculous amount of money a lot of the time um in fact I actually had a client approach me um to work with them and they were asking for a retainer initially and I went you don't need a retainer there's not enough of you I will charge you the same rate to work on an ad hoc basis but let's only pay for what you need so people will do that out there it does happen so find the right person who resonates with you and work with somebody if you're bootstrapping whatever there are things that you should bootstrap and there are things you shouldn't bootstrap and I always say that people and pounds are the things you shouldn't bootstrap so always have a good HR person and a good accountant I agree yeah definitely um and then the last thing is be very clear on what the vision that you have for your workplace is what like how do you actually want to run a business okay Mm -hmm. because there is no Mm -hmm. right or wrong answer out there and although I might like jokingly rip um the agencies that are slightly more old school actually they've got their fucking place in the world Mm. and there are people who flourish in that environment and who perform really well in that environment and if that's how you want to run things make sure everything is aligned because you can still run that environment and do it ethically correctly Whereas if you know you want to have a more, I'm, I'm loath to say modern, I'd probably call it a more liberal workplace. Okay, today. like that word, yeah. Yeah, because it's not modern, because that that it, that indicates that something else is antiquated. It's not, right? Like, if you want to have a more liberal workplace style where you're going to attract people who are going to march to the beat of their own drum and do things differently, you still have to have rules for how that place is going to work. And you have to have a strong and clear vision of what you think is acceptable and what isn't acceptable and then be ready to document that because I harp on and bang on about policy and process all the time. And people go, oh, and I'm like, right, let's look at it this way. Pretend it's a board game. Mm. OK. If you can play Monopoly with no rules, it goes a bit fucking sideways. <laughs> it goes feral. <laughs> I mean, Monopoly is always a bit feral, even with some rules. It's there are. There's been yeah, many, never, plenty never, of murders, haven't there, in in a Monopoly, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They never trust the banker. Um, rule for life. Joke. That's a joke. Um, yeah, it's okay. But, you know, genuinely, when you've got a board game, you need to have rules to mm. understand what the board game is. And then everyone has fun because they know that they're playing by the rules and everyone's on the same page. I that's think what to summarise what you've just said there about managing expectations, isn't it? It's actually that simple. And I just think, generally speaking in life, as an older, I say an older person because there's going to be people listening who are older than me, but I've been in recruitment a long time to say this. Mm-hmm. I think, for me, that's where everything can be solved in any relationship, whether it's with your colleague, whether it's with your girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, daughter, mother. It yep. is managing expectations from the and start. And communicating effectively. And, and communicating it. forms of communication of that, right? Like, it's, it's why I always say to people, unless it's in writing, it's not real. Mm. I think that there's a lot of that, actually, Kat, that gets mm. missed in recruitment. And I think that might be down to the fact that we're all really busy. We are a fast-paced sector. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we, there's a little bit of, you know, we put trust in another person. 
but if it's not in writing it's not going to happen you know it's like changing somebody's commission structure promising them promotion prospects that's actually one of the key things why people often leave who are doing well where it's like they keep moving the goalposts on my promotion I heard a horror story um I've actually got two horror stories from two excellent recruiter friends of mine um both of whom had been promised significant pay rises with where they were got strung along for about a year and then got the most pathetic little pay rises going through and I'm like well what are you gonna do now and the reason why I believe that their um, businesses have elected to do that is they've looked at the economic climate and gone we can get away with this and I'm like that's a bit of a that's a bit of a dick move guys isn't it it is now with everything that's going on good employers should be increasing your standard of living cost of living crisis impacted everybody and there's so many ways because not every business and I, I have this conversation a lot with people who get really emotionally stressed out because they want to give more money but they know they can't afford it because as a business their costs have gone up as well so they go oh my god what can I do and I'm like okay let's get smart here let's figure out what people actually yeah. want and look at delivering it because sometimes it's not just compensation what what is somebody who's really really invested in their learning and development Yes. And they don't have enough time to do that. So what if you then said, okay, for the next two months, provided you can hit your targets, but you're going to get a half day on either a Monday or a Friday. Because to be fair, let's be honest, Friday is generally the best. Nothing fucking happens on a Friday. Like, so give them a half day on a Friday, make it a policy. They get to do this and they get to work through their things and you're going to support them and you're going to support their qualification cost because that's a completely different taxable thing for your business that you can recoup something from and then you'll more likely to retain the individual and you make them a better partner what a win it's a win-win situation I mean look that is a whole different podcast and we definitely don't have time today to talk about how learning and development generally is Mm. underpins everything about retention of staff not just hiring but retention of good staff that we're always if you're listening to a podcast I'm going to make an assumption that you like to develop yourself, even if it is self-learning, that's still learning. And mm-hmm. I think to be in an environment that doesn't encourage that and doesn't actually see the value in investing in that, they actually don't give a shit about you. That's to me, if you don't have that policy and that is em- embraced by a good, strong HR policy, but underpinned yep. by learning, learning and development. And it can be an absolute revelation to people when you have the conversation you've just described there, because it's like, actually, that time is something that you never thought would be possible, but you're giving them, half, what, half a day? But yeah. the skills you're going to get, look at the benefit everybody's going to get from that learning and development they're going to go through. It's magical. Or other things like, you know, what if we did a nine-day fortnight policy? Because everyone starts talking about four-day working weeks. Four-day working weeks are great if they work for your business. They do not mm. always work for your business. A nine-day fortnight can be a really lovely little solution to put in instead whereby you still get the hours out of the person. And if you do it smart, then you've got 25% on a Monday and 25% on a Friday who are off every week. Mm. But that means you've got 75% of the wheels turning. Yeah. means that people are going to communicate better and leave better hand- handovers yeah. and update their CRMs because that way things can happen. Uh, well, this is it. Absolutely. And, you know, who knows what the future, where the future lies, with the, whether it's the four-day working week, the nine-day fortnight. But just Fine. generally speaking... Yeah, flexible work, you know, just creating a culture where it works for your customers, your internal customers above all else, 
for the future mm-hmm. of the you know the, for your business to to thrive in the future well i mean god you know if, if people haven't seen the value in why you are this expert and just your personality absolutely using through it and you're totally sponsored by vimto so if vimto want to get in touch they to really should account, they really should a couple of liters of sugar free every month do you do the sugar yeah no i do as well especially when it's an I offer I do the sugar free I'm, I'm like now that I'm in my 30s and I had a couple of health scares last over the last couple of years and now I've kind of come out the end of it and I'm going well that was a freebie yes. um, much better care of myself overall Good. um and yeah cutting down on the old sugar was one of them mm. it, well you do I mean for anyone that is watching over on YouTube you can see how vibrant and amazing cat looks you look absolutely wonderful you really do so you're a good advert and I've been sugar free since January 2023 myself so mm. accidental. I, mean, I, I have always said, I'm like, God, when I grow up, I'd like to be like Alicia. Oh, like, well, I mean, I'm not growing up yet, obviously. So, you know, well, I'll let, which, which I think it's part of this. I think it's part of the secret, right? Cling on to joy. Cling on somebody, to somebody. Somebody called me Benjamin Button the other day, and I had to go and see what that meant. And I was like, what does that mean? See, that's a vibe. Yeah, I can say that for you. Yeah, you know, so I have to, for anyone that is wondering about sugar free living, it was actually driven by my perimenopause. And I found that I was getting these horrendous spikes in my energy, even though, I, I mean, I've been sober for years, obviously I talk about it very publicly um, and I couldn't mm. understand it because I eat really well. I eat really good food. I don't really eat processed food, but I, I was noticing that when I was having, you know, a bit of a sugary treat after dinner, you know, breakfast, lunch or dinner, um, I was then getting this horrendous spike at the other side. And I did a little trial where I didn't have any for a couple of weeks. And then I had a piece of like my mum's birthday cake or something. And I literally crashed. So it's it's amazing how you can still feel like you're rewarding yourself. There are so many different options out there. Yeah. Um, and I am now, I mean, I'm now up to 95% cocoa. Oh, it's hard. Your mouth's, yeah, your mouth's like up. Oh. Yeah, you kind of pucker, don't you? You're literally, it's a bit like having a mouthful of peanut butter. Be like, oh. uh, but you get your chocolate hit and it's delicious. And you're still feeling like you're getting that little sweet reward, but it just, you don't get any spikes. So that's a totally different podcast. You have been remarkable and obviously everyone's gonna you know be clicking through um getting your contact details and you know you are just one of those people that you speak the truth you share your vulnerability cat with everybody and you're just one of the most honest people and i could just give you a massive hug oh we'll do it at some point at some point when you're in manchester oh. give me a shout oh, we'll go give, and get like, give we'll an, go, kind tea, of a sugar-free tea or sure, something oh, coffee or something you yeah, know i'm giving them yeah, a i do, I do love it that is one of my weaknesses i do love a coffee well you know i'm I'm all i'm all here for the coffee but thank you it's been really valuable and thank you so much for joining us on the The recruiters recruitment podcast is thrilled to be partnering with inclusion crowd inclusion crowd put the d into diversity but do it disruptively we love that really reflecting what we're about I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society, and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell, you have a contribution to make, an Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally inclusion crowd like the recruiters recruitment podcast has clients all over the world and they specialize in our industry what we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards 
to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. <laughs> 